Hey everyone, this is Founders365 with me, Stephen Haggerty. Today, I'm joined on International Women's Day by Rio Rao, founder of Yachting International Radio and a fairly long pers- long-time broadcaster as well, which I've just found out. How are you doing today? Not bad. How are you, Stephen? Thanks for having me. No, thank you so much for coming on. I'm doing very well, thank you. So, first things first, tell me all about what Yachting International Radio is for the people that... Because I have many listeners that probably don't even know what yachting is. So we really have to strip this down. Well, you know what? That's all right, because I I actually grew up in a logging yard in northern British Columbia, Canada. Um, So I have not a clue what a yacht was either. Boats for us were fishing boats where my father had a 32-foot bay liner. And uh, we would take that out. We'd go salmon fishing and we'd go and get ourselves crabbing, right? So that was was as much as boat stuff. Sorry? Slightly different world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and really, I mean, Canada isn't sort of known for its yachting. And it wasn't until I moved to Mallorca 15 years ago that um, I, I saw yachting and what it was for real. You know, these multi-billion dollars worth of money spent, you know, Crazy on these money. floating palaces, literally. Um, so, I, you know, as I had been in broadcasting for 30 years and, and I was here in Mallorca and, of course, a Spanish here. So uh, the likelihood that I was going to be able to continue my career um, was well pretty null and void at that stage. Um, and it, it's really cool that, you know, nowadays, unlike when I started in broadcast, it was AM or FM. You know, mm. there was no other options. It was AM or FM. And we carried around our little radios and we had the radios in the cars and everything else. Um, but nowadays, you know, the great thing about the Internet is you can broadcast for the entire world. And you can actually it, it always usually works better if you pick a niche market. Mm. Um, so because I'd been around a lot of yachties, I said, okay, you know what? I am going to do this for the yachting interna- international well, sort of marketplace. Amazing. So how did it start? Was that just speaking to the crew, speaking to owners, speaking to like ind- industry leaders? When well, did it all start rolling? I actually um, worked with somebody else that was sort of setting up a, a similar concept um, yeah. within the industry. Um, they had no broadcast background. Um, and there was sort of a, a, a differing opinion of how things should work, as it were. Um, <laughs> and I'm definitely a redhead. So uh, when I, I, I sort of saw that, I thought, okay, well, the writing's on the wall. It's not, you know, sort of the way I envision things should be sure. with broadcast as this is my career. And I'm not going to change the way that um, I've been educated and the way that I say things in order to suit somebody else who hasn't been in broadcast. So. Um, I took a step back and I thought, okay, well, uh, I will do it for myself. Mm. Um, and so quickly I realized that video did kill the radio star back in 1980, um, completely dead, like, like Freddy Krueger style knifing in the back, kind of dead. Um, (laughs) so I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do now? Because, you know, you've always got to be willing to change that when you're an entrepreneur, you really have to sort of take a look at things and, and move with the times. And I thought, okay, well, the age demographic that I am after, especially within the yachting industry, is 18 to 54. The ultra high net worth individuals right now that are buying into yachting are in there at 45, 50. The day of the old Greek shipping magnet surrounded by his 20 prostitutes is now over. You know, they are now moving on to excursions. They're 45 years old. They want to have every single toy. They want to have a submarine. They want to be able to heli ski during the day. They want to come down to have, you know, a beautiful sunset dinner with with their wife and kids because they're actually not the kind of people that they were, you know, 40 yeah. years ago. Um, it's a different industry. So 
18 to 54 is the age demographic that I had to go after. In order to do that, as I'm sure you well know, the social media platforms out there that target specific demographics are mm. all over the map. Facebook, you know, with the research that I did, is still the number one used platform, but we're talking, those are the, those are the kind of people that are getting older, you know, like me. Yeah. Um, and so when you start looking at, and then Twitter is sort of in between the Instagram and, and the Facebook, and then mm. you've got the YouTube, which we, we all use and, and know, but that's getting a little bit older as well. You've got the IGTV and now next coming up is TikTok. So you have to be on absolutely every single platform to reach all of these different people. And so I had a crash course on, I mean, I, I'd always been involved in social media, of course, you have to be whenever you're a media, but I hadn't been involved to that extent. Yeah. And so I had a crash course on every, I, I literally I'm on seven different platforms now. Sounds exhausting. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I limit myself. I tried out TikTok and I just got into that. I got into the TikTok scrolling hole where you just start, you start scrolling and then two hours later you go, oh my God, what am I, why have I watched this farmyard dance 17 times and tried it out myself and recorded it and probably, let's face it, messed it up, you know. But, uh, but Do you know what? No, I'm, I'm looking at TikTok for, from a different, I, I go on there. Actually, it was funny because I said to my son, I said, you know, um, mommy's going to have to look into TikTok. And he looks at me and goes, mommy, that's where people just hook up. <laughs> And, the fact you and he's 11, it right? As well, it's like it's not the TikTok, mom. It's just TikTok. It's, uh, um, well, I'm really curious to know though, because of because of you know your vast experience in broadcasting in recent times, like we were sort of discussing beforehand, it is so easy now for people to to start a show. Like I've started this show. Uh, obviously, yeah. no broadcasting experience at all um and there's there's podcasts popping up every day there's youtube channels popping up every day there's there's blogs there's news outlets or like literally news new news outlets popping up all the time what can you see as as the disadvantages of that as opposed to you know the the all the, the i don't know the right word for this but the old school one where it was almost it, it was a challenge to get into whereas now you can wake up and be like oh i'm going to start doing this and, and do it i think that it still comes down to hard work dedication and knowledge because it doesn't you know anybody can jump on online you're right yeah. anybody can it's just like back in the old days anybody can jump online a ham radio as well and mm. have their own show and some people made themselves famous um, others people didn't, you know, if there's a will, there's a way and it yeah. doesn't matter how you're going to do it. But, you know, I think a lot of people, they sort of think that they're going to jump onto YouTube tomorrow and they're going to become famous and they're going to become rich and they're going to become influencers. They're going to be the best. Um, yeah. And you know, it's not, I think if you come at it in the right direction, like for me, this is my job. This is my career. This is what I do. This is what I love to do. I love to, um, interview people and I love to introduce people to the world and I love to live vicariously through others. Um, so, you know, that's a form of growth for me because there are, you know, the amount of things that I learn from other people, yeah, I could true. never experience in an entire lifetime. Yeah. That's one of the magics of it that I found yeah. as well from interviewing you know, as a person every single day. It's not the, it's not the challenge. It's the value that I get from speaking to these people, both on air and off air, you know, there's chats before and after, like the the knowledge base that that I'm being absorbed into is 
is outstanding that I didn't really predict that at all. I didn't really even look at that side of the challenge. I just thought, hey, this is going to be a really great time. I can chat to someone every day about their business and it's going to be really fun. Uh, but actually, it's the learnings that I think as as content producers that we both are, it's like that's the real sweet spot that I think a lot of people don't understand. They try and chase, like you said, that next that next YouTube star or that next Twitch tiktok star or i was about to say twitter star but do you get twitter stars i'm not really sure i i don't well i mean president trump, trump pretty much a twitter star isn't he trump? yeah <laughs> yeah trump yeah he, he's, he's nailed twitter uh i basically <laughs> you know people that are who can stir the pot love twitter yeah yeah um from your experience by focusing on you know the yachting industry what has been the reception because you know, the yachting world is, is a unique world in itself, both owners, crew, industry, every single thing about it is a unique industry. Um, I remember once I was when I was working there and a friend of mine told me a story about these two crates that turned up and it was 4,000 euros worth of hangers. And I was like, oh, what what is this world? It's just nuts. Um, but in terms of you, you, your your business, the Yachting International Radio, what has been sort of the, the challenges for you into breaking out and growing this to a platform which, you know, you said to me before, has 150,000 uh, listeners and viewers every single month, which is an amazing number. Do you know what? It's just constantly being out there. You know, even before, I, I think maybe I had 20 listeners on my radio station and I think I had maybe 150 likes on my Facebook page and like five subscribers on YouTube. Um, and I still had people saying to me, oh, my goodness, you're everywhere. Yeah. And it was just because I was dedicated and I did the research and I kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And I knew the right people as well. Like I had friends that, you know, for example, a gentleman by the name of Lars Molin, he started up um, a sort of a, a Facebook group called Pommy Yacht Crew. And it's straight around the world, around the world, he's got Dubai Yacht Crew, Australia Yacht Crew. So it is literally the place on Facebook where every yachty on the face of the planet goes to find things out when they need to, whether it be they need a bike or whether they need an apartment or whether they even want to put up their resumes to, mm. to look for work because they can't dog walk in Florida, for example, whereas they can here. Um, and, and he was a friend of mine. So I was able to sort of start pushing it. And his, his one site has over 65,000 people on it. So I was able to start sort of getting myself out there a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. But you just, you know, yeah, six months in, I was still pulling my hair out thinking, you know, is this going to work? Am I just am I just banging my head against a wood wall and I'm yeah. stubborn enough that I'm going to continue to do it until I kill myself? Or is it actually going to open at some stage before I bust my head in? What made uh, you carry on then at that point? Well, um, I'm old and um, I don't know anything else. You're not old. <laughs> You're not. But there must have been a point where you, you seriously considered, you know, is this worth my time? Because it's it must have been, is it, it is a huge time investment for you to produce and, and content and put it out on different platforms. There, you know what? I mean, it's like anybody else. I think once a week, I probably sit down and think, is this is this the right thing that I'm doing? What am I doing? Why was it? Why did I do this? Why didn't I just go to work for somebody else? But I think for me is that I have a vision and I, you know, I see what we've, I, I sort of started Yachting International Radio with, with two concepts in mind. One was uh, women and the other was the environment. Um, and with media and yachting, both traditionally and from 
my upbringing being in a logging yard, all male dominated, you know, sort of my whole life has been male dominated. And I thought, no, it's time that we have a voice. And, you know, it's not, I'm not going to be a millionaire anytime soon, if ever. And that's fine too. But as long as I can have a roof over my head, uh, food in my belly, and and I can smile every day when I sit in front of my computer and know that I touch someone and help someone achieve their goals, yeah. then I'm happy, you know? Uh, I mean, that's... Uh... Those feelings are the best feelings, right? Have you have you had any recent pinch pinch me moments from that sort of desire to help people and and help others? Um, no. <laughs> no. Okay, sweet. Thank you. <laughs> At least you're on. Yeah. God, honestly, it's the best policy, right? I know, right? Well, no, it's not happened yet. I'm sure it will. You know, I'm waiting. Yeah. Anyone listening, if if, if you have had a pinch me moment. Tell her. Make this, make this moment happen. Uh, no, the reason I, think I, my, I think my biggest problem is, is that I'm behind the computer all the time, so I don't actually mm. interact with human beings very often. So, do you miss that? Do you miss that interaction there? No, no, because you know people are kind of annoying sometimes. So. You can just stay in your house, interview anyone in the world, and just enjoy. As soon as it's done, you can be like, right, I'm going to the kitchen. That's what well, I do. Yeah, I mean, it's brilliant. It's brilliant because you know what? I'm one of these people that if you know me for longer than an hour and a half, then I become really annoying. Yeah. But under an hour and a half, I am like the smartest, most amazing person on the face of the planet. So I leave people with this idea that they go off and they're like, Bria, wow, she's amazing. Yeah. And they think that forever, right? So the truth never actually gets out there, which is exactly what I want. That is a dark and twisted story. <laughs> this is like a net, this is, this could become a Netflix special. She, she was the founder of Yachting International Radio, but everyone else knew her as someone different. Yeah. You, you, no, it's not that bad. Yeah, no, you, you're not. You're not a mass murderer, which is great. No, um, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, thank God. But you, you mentioned about the vision. I'm, I'm curious to know where do you want to take this next because you've already reached some huge milestones. You know, the consistency alone is amazing. But what's next for you? What's next on this vision? Well, I just, I want to continue to grow and I want to, you know, I, I've got, I've got shows out there that people don't talk about. Yawning is known as a very shiny and glossy and wealthy industry. And there is a ton of media that surrounds yawning. There's magazines, there's television, there's this, there's, there's so many things. I mean, it's covered in Rob Report and Esquire, um, you know, and everything is just shiny and pretty. Yeah. Um, and nobody covers some of the seedier side of things that happen. And I thought, OK, in order to do journalism properly, you've got to have a balance. You've got to have one side against the other. Well, not against the other, but you've got to show everything. Right. Sure. That's true journalism. You know, I am not about just trying to make money. Yeah. Money's OK. You need that to live. But at the end of the day, are you in this career to actually report and to actually show the information that needs to be reported on? So I started a show called Uncensored and it is targeting um, topics such as rape on board because it mm -hmm. happens, sexual harassment, gender discrimination, um, suicide. Uh, I have a show called Mental Health because the incidences of suicide on board yachts is growing much the same as the rest of the world, yeah. of course. But when you are focused on such a niche market, you see those things more so because it's a smaller community. And it's such a bubble industry, isn't it? Yeah. That things so, just don't get spoken about outside of that bubble. It is. It, you know, I mean, I, I get seasick, so mm. I'm never going to be on a yacht, right? But that's probably a good thing because I can, 
it's funny, and I, I, I think it's because I'm not afraid of not getting hired. I'm not afraid of not getting on a yacht yeah. that I can actually do exactly what I want to do with this, where I want to go with it and how I want to do it, because that doesn't impact me. Sure, it may Im impact some advertising dollars somewhere down the line. Um, but I, I really think that people need to know what they're getting into. And yes, there is still lovely things. Like, I, you know, I have a luxury segment as well. So, it, it, yeah. you know, you just, you've got to make sure you've got a balance. But those shows in particular, the ones that you said, you know, not aren't being spoken about as much, are they still being received in the way you want them to be received? Yes. Yes. And actually, the one great thing that I've noticed, um, that one specific show, Uncensored, it has actually been picked up by a couple of other online magazines that have been serving the yachting industry for years. Um, one did a story on it, um, and it is actually gaining um, quite the popularity with the host. And it was my show that I found a host for because, of course, I wasn't in yachting. I needed somebody who had been yeah. in yachting to tackle the issues. Um, and then another online magazine now wants to have that show uh, weekly and host it as well in, in word format and, and on, in their own format on their right. online platform. Um, so... I think what it is is that a lot of people were afraid to talk mm. about them. They wanted to, but they didn't feel like they could because they were afraid that for whatever reasons yeah, they were afraid, you know? But, well, like you said, you know, getting jobs, if your name is, is attached to something, it is the type of industry where clo doors will close as soon yeah. as they, as soon as, as, as quick as they will open, um, which, which is really hard to d describe to people that, have never been in that industry. I was in that industry myself, so I understand it. Uh, but if I was speaking to a, a friend from, you know, way back when in high school or whatever, it was just such a mi mysterious world. Um, do you do you find that, or, well, I'm guessing you're not really targeting it, but people outside of yachting, do you find that you're getting people outside of yachting getting interested into that world via your platforms? Not by my platforms, because that's not really my focus point. Mm. My focus point is everything to do with yachting. But I have been blessed enough to talk to three gentlemen within the industry that have over 100,000 subscribers on their YouTube channel. Um, and they have found that, and one is Tristan, Super Yacht Captain. If you ever have a chance, check yeah. it out. Seen um, yeah, I, you know, he said that he saw an increase in people chartering. Um, AWOL just because they wanted to oh, be on wow. the show or they wanted to be part of it or I mean there was just so many great things and and mm -hmm. uh, you know even um, Nick the other day uh, uh, oh, I forget the name it's at the top of my head sorry it's been a long Sunday um, <laughs> Aquaholic sorry yeah. sorry Nick if you ever watch this Aquaholic um, but he just reached 100,000 as well uh, David Seal uh, yeah, know, Seale, yeah all of these guys they're reaching 100,000 and they are reaching because you know, I think what it is is that they've got these massive, massive super yachts that nobody could ever possibly have the chance of getting yeah. on board. They have something that people don't have access to. Yeah. So when they see a price tag, like, you know, this this boat is worth, you know, 20 million, they're mm -hmm. like, what? Why is that worth 20 million? And they know that they would never ever be able to come within 20 feet. Like I will never ever be able to go within 20 feet of a $20 million boat, right? Yeah. So <laughs> um, you know, they want to see what's inside. I mean, I think there's just a new show. On alcoholic, he, uh, Versace design or something. I don't know, all gold and yeah. like just absolutely amazing. Just out so, of this world. Yeah, it's it's like 
you know, there's there's some things I think that would be really interesting to the regular public. My stuff, not so much, no. Yeah, Which, but then that's why it works, right? Because you said at, at the start, it has to be niched. It has to be directed to a specific person who wants to listen, who wants to learn more, who wants to find your other shows because they've come into one through one avenue of your business. Yeah. And it's... Yeah. God. No, it's, it's, you know, I mean, for me, I have to make sure that I keep it relevant because, mm. you know, I, I have to provide a way for the industry to interact and, and to open up dialogue within, within the industry and, and um, to provide them the information that they need. Yeah. Um, and that's the only way that I'm going to go forward. And more often than not, some of that information, I mean, you're talking about your STCW. I mean, it, you know, the average Joe walking down the street, what? No idea. What do they want to know about an STCW, right? Yeah. You know, and um, how they're going to get their captain cert and, and, you know, the courses that they have to take. And that, mm. yeah, that just is never going to appeal to anybody else. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, what, what do you think is the hardest part about growing a, a media company in term in in a specific niche i think because you have to be aware that it is a very small marketplace mm. and you have to reach the maximum amount of that marketplace with what you have and when it is so diverse so you have to say okay am i going to look at the owners um or am i going to look at the crew well, you take a look at the owners and you think, okay, well, how many owners are there actually out there that have these super yachts and yachts? Well, not really enough. So I'm going to have to go with crew. But do crew have the buying power that advertisers and brokerage houses, et cetera, want to, you know, put their money as far as advertising into? Probably not. But then when you sort of take a look at it, it from the outside and you start talking to people, you realize that crew are great influencers. Yeah. Crew are the ones that make those decisions where they go to get the boat refit, where they go to winter. You know, a lot of these things are decided upon by crew. They're provisioning companies, they're, you know, wine suppliers, um, whoever comes on board to clean the carpets, even, you know, it, whatever it may be, if they're getting an interior refit, you know, the crew usually makes those decisions. Yeah. So the best bet is to start hitting those crew members at 18 years old now, because by the time they're not just a deckhand or a junior deckhand, by the time they're an engineer or a captain in those making those decisions, they're already your customer, mm. even though they haven't spent a penny yet. So they will be the ones that are leading you to your business. Is that, a, is that an easy or hard message to convey to p potential advertisers? Do they understand that? Not at all. But, um, I mean, really, you know, honestly, they don't. But, I mean, it's, you know, I always say to people, it's, it's a bit like Chinese water torture advertising. Mm. Um, you know, you never really know because, you know, having been in radio for so many years, people will say, well, I didn't add in the newspaper. And I know that I got the results. Well, yeah, because you had like a, a half a page and it said 50% off and they had to bring the coupon in to get their 50% it's off. Tangible. Yeah. I mean, I worked in newspaper as well at one, mm. one stage. So I, you know, <laughs> um, with radio, it's like, you know, why do you like Coke? Why do you like yeah. Pepsi? You know, is it, is it because, you know, you have always like when you were two, you decided you wanted to drink Coke all the time. <laughs> like, 
you know, what is that? No, it's because every time you turn around subliminally, yeah. you have gotten the message, whether it be Coke or Pepsi that you're into, but you have subliminally gotten the message. It's always there. It's in the movie, in the background that you're watching, you know, whatever, Home Alone. God, I just dated myself. Um, <laughs> but whatever movie, or you know, it's, yeah. it's always that product placement in the back. Or you're walking past, you know, a, a bar, and they've got, of course, Coke and Pepsi. They provide mm -hmm. the free coolers for all the bars because, once again, you know, exactly. the, the sign is up there, the message is up there. So advertising is 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 like that straight across the board. You can't just take, like, unless you're doing the Super Bowl. But you can't just take like a hundred grand and and throw that in in two weeks. Mm. You know, it's far smarter for a company to take that hundred grand, if that's what their budget is for the year, and spread it out over twelve months, because yeah. then you're constantly in their face. So many customers make the mistake of saying, "Well, this is our slow time, so this is when we're going to spend our money." Okay you have winter tires for sale just for an example your slow time is the summer do you think spending a million dollars in the summertime to sell your damn snow tires is actually going to get them to buy your damn snow tires i don't think so do you know what i mean like yeah. it just it just doesn't make any sense even even though the advertisers can now i think the reach to customer has got a lot a lot shorter in recent years though because of instant feedback, you know, things like Twitter, bringing back that back, it's instant feedback for businesses, whether that people are seeing advertisements, it's working, it's not. Um, and I'm guessing for you as a, as a broadcaster, that's something that you can play on as well. The fact that the, that timeline from, you know, an advert to someone receiving that advert and having feedback if it's needed on the advert can be literally like days or, or hours if you really wanted it to. Uh, whereas I'm guessing, you know, a few years ago, not even a few years ago, it was, it was a lot harder to judge that as well because you had to have some sort of like coupon code for it to be judged and, and that aspect. Does that make sense? Yeah. But I mean, even judging the numbers, like for me, it's really exciting because um, you know, I tag an advertiser, for example, on all my platforms, I can I monetize my platforms. So when I have an advertiser that works with me, I get to tag business partner. Yeah. So everybody that sees that ad, they can actually go in and see how many people have engaged with that ad, how many people have been reached by that ad. I don't have to tell them anything because they can mm. check that themselves, which makes it so much easier for me. Yeah. Um, with everything being digital, it just, it, it just makes the job easier because years ago, you know, when the telephone was invented. Um, I make it sound like it was like, you know, <laughs> centuries ago. Yeah, you're, so really, you're really <laughs> painting yourself in a bad light. <laughs> Come on, we can do that. <laughs> but I remember, you know, when we used to do our ratings, we would have a rating sweep every year, yeah. right? And what would happen is they would bring these, in, in your mailbox, you would get like a little questionnaire booklet that you would have to keep track of and mark off when you were listening to what radio station and who you were listening to and what time. And then you would send them back. And I, I don't know what, I think you got five bucks or something for it. This was in Canada at the time. I'm like, you know, how accurate was that really? And yeah, so then all right. of a sudden, all the radio stations would be like, we're number one in the 1854 age demographic. And it's like... <laughs> Yeah, for the six people that filled that form out for the five exactly. bucks that they wanted, right? You know, okay, so six out of what, 10? You're number one. Um, so it was really hard to tell. And, and you sort of had to just 
hope and pray as an advertiser mm. that where you were spending your money and you could make those numbers look anything you wanted to. Yeah, as well. Like, I mean, they played with them, they manipulated them and, yeah. you know, two, two or three radio is now. Yeah. I mean, a two or three radio stations in the same marketplace could be saying they were number one. And, and of course they were all right, but it was just that they were number one in a different section of the booklet. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this way it's easier. I don't, I don't have to say to the clients anything. I just say, look, there it is. Check yeah. it out yourself. Everything's public, which is great. I mean, yeah. you know, it's a lot more visible now, especially recent laws in the UK, at least in terms of just placing adverts into videos and, and podcasts and everything like that it has to be told. It has to be um, described in terms of it is a paid for content. Which I I think is a is a real benefit because it just show tells people that hey look we're getting money for this but we actually also think that this advert advert well hopefully that most creators are, are working with people that are going to align with their audience as well so that they their audience is going to benefit from them working with that that advertiser yeah. you know a win win for everyone in in my eyes um, but my last question to you is and because because of your background in terms of broadcast and everything like that if if someone wanted to reach more people you know grow their media brand what would you give them you know three tips to to grow that for them well i mean the thing is you have to constantly be on the ball you cannot take a day off because social media moves so fast and we are such an immediate society that if something stops feeding us we move on to something else yeah so there are no days off in this business Every day, you've got to be feeding your social media accounts every single day because that's the only way you're going to keep the audience you do have and try to, to get more. Um, another one is that you're not going to be, it's, it's the same concept as it has been from the, the day the earth was born. Hard work wills out. Mm. You know, it's, you're not going to be an instant overnight success. Tomorrow, you're not going to wake up and be a YouTube star you got to stick your head down and you got to get to work and you got to do it every single day. And there are going to be days when you wake up and you think, Oh my God, what am I doing? And then you're going to double down or you're going to walk away. And you know what? I can't tell you which one's going to be better because <laughs> for all of us it's different. And for number three, I mean, I, I think, you know, just, just try to enjoy what you're doing. And, and if you're, if you feel good, those people that you work with, those people that you interview, yeah. those people that you interact with, they feel good too. Mm. And that will make people want to come back. So there's a need to sort of put a sense of positivity out there in a world that is so very, very negative. Because if you're different than the masses, then you will succeed. Yeah. And different nowadays means positive, which is just so sad to say. <laughs> it's so true that. It is. It's a, it's a sad world that we have to push positivity. Uh, yeah. But. I mean, you take a look straight across the, the face of the world right now, and it's just, you know, this coronavirus here, coronavirus. I don't know when the last time a reporter went to medical school was, but I'm telling you right now, they all seem to be pretty darn good at being experts at just about everything. Yeah. But it sells, doesn't it? You know, yeah, everyone's exactly. running out there. Bad news sells. Paper. Toilet paper, like, I'm like, what, what is that going to do for yeah. coronavirus? I'm not I was, sure. in, I was in the supermarket earlier today, and at least like three or four aisles were just empty. That's insane! Crazy. Like, insane. There's it, three know, packets of pasta left. 
That's crazy. I don't know. You know, even it's funny because even the people in this area that are saying, oh, well, you know, we don't really we don't really pull into that kind of thing. And but we have started stocking up a few extras <laughs> every time we go out. Yeah. But we have got 72 packets of pasta, you know, just in case. I know, right? And meanwhile, I'm like, no, I just fly by the seat of my pants. I'm, I'm out. Yeah, I can only haul this many groceries today. It's probably not even enough for tonight, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, I like to live dangerously as it is anyway, so I I, I'm not going to stock up. I don't have enough cupboard space to stock up anyway. Jeez. Who does? Well, you know what? I could figure I could walk in front of a bus tomorrow and get hit. What could, you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, I probably got more chance of getting hit by a bus tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. It's Although you never leave the house because you just interview everyone online. But that's oh, well, yeah, but I have to go out <laughs> to get groceries, right? Once a true, day. True. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can just get them delivered here. So I, if I wanted to, I could just never leave the house again. Uh, but what? Well, yeah, I could get them delivered here too, but then I would get really, really fat and stood <laughs> entry very quickly. Um, so I do need to sort of walk myself. It's like I don't have a dog to walk, so I've got to walk. You'd be a slippery dog. slope very quickly. <laughs> But listen, thank you so much for coming on. If anyone wants to like get in touch with you, discover more about Yachting International Radio, what's the best way for them to do that? The best way is to send me an email at info at yachtinginternationalradio.com. Um, and you know what? You just type in Yachting International Radio on any any platform you possibly yeah. can find. It's me, so you could just drop me a line anytime. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on. Number guest 66, the first one, un, well, first one into the th 200s now. So thank you for being that. And especially on International Women's Day, you've been fantastic. And I really hope to see you again, speak to you again, and really look forward to seeing how you guys develop over the next couple of years. Well, thank you for having us. And I'm going to be keeping an eye on you as well. We'll have to revisit this, but I'm going to have you on my show. And I get oh, yeah. I'm, I'm up for I am game. Uh, no, I'm down for that. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks everyone for watching. This has been Founders 365.